welcome to the Essential ESG podcast, being brought to you from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Today, I'm going to be talking to you with Heidi Roberts, a partner in our Responsible Business and ESG group, about the gendered issues of modern slavery. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Phoebe. Great to be here. The Australian Modern Slavery Act requires businesses to identify, assess and address their risks of modern slavery in their supply chain and in their operations. Why is this an important thing for us to be thinking about? Well, uh, over the past couple of years, organisations in Australia have been really focused on developing, implementing and improving their compliance and reporting activities. And I think it's always important to really focus on the risks to people and keep at the forefront of our minds what modern slavery is and how it manifests in people's lives, not just in compliance systems. It's only then that we can ensure our due diligence systems are looking for and finding the right sort of risks. And it's a sad fact that um, modern slavery is a gendered issue and you know, women are disproportionately affected by modern slavery. Uh, it's estimated around 71% of people who are victims of modern slavery are women globally. Why is that the case? Seems a lot. Well, I think when you consider the key risk factors for modern slavery, um, you can see that some of these risk factors are heightened for women. Women uh, have around the world have lower access to education. Women are overrepresented in casual, low-paid and unskilled work globally. Um, and then you can look at you know, particular industries where those factors combine with other vulnerabilities. Um, working alone, working at night, working in remote communities circumstances where you've got a lot of migrant workers who have not necessarily the local language skills and might be fearful of authorities or not have a full understanding of the rules. And when you package all that together, all those overlapping vulnerabilities, some of which are heightened for women, some in industries where women make up a large proportion of the workforce, you can see that, that there's this heightened you know, exposure to risks of modern slavery. If we look in Australia, we can think of industries like cleaning, fast food production, catering, um, hospitality, where a lot of those risk factors are present. Yeah. Further abroad, uh, women working in the garment industry, producing, say, uniforms, corporate uniforms, um, and in factories producing PPE or, or packaging for pre-packaged goods are other examples. So women are also more likely to be employed in domestic services mm. where they might be working in private residences or private um, businesses where they might have little regulation on wages and conditions. Mm. Um, they might be living with their employer yep. um, and they might um, have to pay for their accommodation and, and also be recruited by labour recruiters to be put into those sorts of positions in the first yep. place, um, which makes them vulnerable. And also, um, obviously, women are at increased risks of certain types of slavery, like yep sexual servitude and human trafficking um, um, and marriage. forced marriage. Yeah. Um, so the risks of those sorts of domestic servitude and forced marriage and uh, are particularly interesting, I think, in the context of corporate supply yeah. chains because they don't immediately come to mind. Yep. And yet we know that often employee benefits, particularly for expatriates, exactly. might include um, domestic workers and um, support in that sort of way and it is definitely something that organisations need to be thinking about. It is and 
and our risk assessment tools need to be robust enough to be able to identify and encompass um, those aspects of risks of modern slavery. And I think they need to be able to respond to change over time. So as the way in which you work, the way in which your suppliers work changes, um, our risk assessments need to pick that up. Uh, and I think you know, an obvious big change um, which has had an impact has obviously been COVID-19, um, which has exacerbated some risks of modern slavery in operations and supply chains. And a number of those impacts have disproportionately affected women again. Um, so perhaps we can talk a bit about how that's manifested. Absolutely. I think there are some really obvious things, and you mentioned them earlier, that, that real beef up of, um, because of COVID, of the global demand for certain products, yes. which uh, PPE, for example, which mm. has really increased in certain sectors and um, certain factories, that increased need for that PPE has resulted in factories being open around the clock, yep. not a lot of supervision, not necessarily additional employees being available and the, the, the amount of time that people are working, a whole range of employment conditions that have really deteriorated. Yeah, in the context where customers are demanding more, often wanting to pay less and needing it provided more quickly because we're in a crisis in our, yeah. and we, we need it, that's the, the flow on impact that pressure on your suppliers has on the heightening the risk of modern slavery. That's right. And I think that that's where often as um, when you're looking at your suppliers and at, at your work practices, you can see how you might actually contribute mm. to practices of modern slavery by the demands that you put on your suppliers in certain instances. Yep. The flip side of it, of course, was that um, in COVID, a lot of orders were cancelled. Mm. So the garment industry in Bangladesh, which has more than 4,000 factories and over um, 5 million workers, 80% of whom are women, uh, found that they had orders cancelled to the extent that um, 1,150 factories were in limbo, almost $3 billion worth mm. of orders were cancelled, 2.8 pe million people suddenly out of work and really facing um, you know, extreme poverty mm. and hunger directly as a result of the, the types of imperatives that Western clothing and um, apparel industry manufacturers felt that they had to do in, in order to survive. And so we see this linkage across mm. the world of these global supply chains and the impacts we have, and very often on some of those industries where women are uh, the majority workforce. Yeah. And interestingly, I think the Australian government, um, in uh, sharing its expectations with organisations about uh, reporting under the Modern Slavery Act, didn't respond by lessening the requirements, um, but has made it very clear that, it, that this legislation um, expects organisations to step up and to build a deeper understanding of the risks of modern slavery in this fast-paced change, yeah. to understand how impacts on their operations or actions they're taking in response to a crisis, how does that actually change or increase the risks of modern slavery in their operations but down through the supply chains? And it won't be enough to say, oh, this I had to respond quickly to act to market forces and as a result, increase the risk of adverse human rights impact. The expectation is to respond quickly to market forces and identify how that changes the risk and take steps to mitigate the risk.
Absolutely. And we're seeing even just recently in the last couple of weeks the direct impacts of some of these things. So in the US, the Customs and Border Protection issued a withhold release order against a particular Malaysian supplier of rubber gloves mm. um, because they had identified that there was modern slavery in, in the operations of that particular supplier. That supplier is a key supplier to an Australian company mm. who made um, uh, statements to disclosures to the market and their share price dropped by 20%. So mm. these issues are very real issues and they have very real impact. Mm. This leads to an observation we've discussed recently, Phoebe, that we haven't yet seen organisations reporting on modern slavery risks with the disaggregated data um, set based on gender. Now, I think it's really interesting. I think it's a way of the future that organisations will need to start doing this. We, we haven't seen any gendered analysis of supply chains in modern slavery statements, to my knowledge, uh, recognising that there are thousands of them. Thousands of them. <laughs> I have read a lot, but I haven't read all of them. And we know that um, modern slavery impacts women, men, boys and girls in different ways. Um, for example, I think we've already talked that girls are more likely to be trafficked or forced into forced marriage um, and domestic servitude, for example. Um, boys are more likely to be forced down um, in artisanal mines, mines those sorts of things, men in, fishing in dangerous. Boats, like that. mm. That's right, and uh, that's sort of dangerous work. So we, we see those gendered impacts and those gendered risks um, but there isn't very much analysis and, and thought going into what that means in terms of different sorts of gendered responses. Yeah. But then that's that's a relatively new thing across the board, right, is thinking about all sorts of uh, different responses to gendered issues yes. in the workplace. Yeah. And I would expect that we're likely to see government procurement lead in this space. You know, we've seen... Um, you know, federal governments in particular work very closely with their suppliers um, in really encouraging very quickly quite um, robust development of systems to identify, assess and address risks and reporting of that by suppliers back to government, whether they're regulated by the Modern Slavery Act or not. Um, but we, you know, we also see the federal government and state governments requiring their suppliers to report on compliance with the Workplace Gender Equality Act. Um, governments have really led the way in terms of um, driving procurement from First Nations Australians businesses. Um, and so, you know, I think you know, that combined also with, you know, a lot of movement in the market requiring disclosures, um, AICD guidelines really asking directors to to be far more um, knowledgeable and transparent about gendered issues in their organisations. I think that is something we will see come and uh, I would expect that government procurement will likely lead the way. Mm. I think that the um, all these gendered issues and thinking about uh, key legislation and key requirements like procurement and like modern slavery mm. through a gendered lens is a very interesting thing to be doing. It's clearly time for organisations to think more about gender equality in their workplaces and in their supply chains and in their operations um, to build a future that's going to be more sustainable for all people.
You have been listening to Cause Essential ESG podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you get notifications of future episodes. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal or other advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. 